0: This morning we are simply going to we're not going to talk about the movie I may make reference as uh, in the next several weeks I may make reference to it but the truth of the matter is we are looking at the biblical principles behind many of the concepts that were found in the fireproof movie to do that I'd like to take us and uh, look at some things in our life ahead of time and then look back at what the Bible says. So we're going to come back to the Bible and look exactly what God said. But before we do that, I got I found this picture of these dogs on the internet and I thought, "You know what? That illustrates what I want to get across this morning. A lot of times marriage is seen by the world in some fanciful way. Two people just staring into each other's eyes. And, and the world stopped turning, and bombs are going off. Oh, no, not bombs. Uh, fireworks. fireworks are going off. <laughs> bombs sometimes. Okay. And it's just this, just everything is just perfect. The truth of the matter is, that's not a biblical concept. There's a place for that. But the truth is, a marriage is two people. Who God has put together, and they are looking in the same direction with the same goals, with the same Lord that they want to serve, with the same concepts. And I've got to tell you, that's pretty difficult to get two people who are so different to be thinking in the same direction. But that is God's design. We're going to look at that design from the Bible but God has designed us to work together. That's his original plan. Of course, he made us different. We're going to see that from Genesis chapter 1. But just to kind of set the stage, I'm not even talking about personality differences now. I'm just talking about gender differences. How we are different just because we're male or female. God has indeed uh, made us different. You might think he has a sense of humor, or you may think he's cruel, but his original plan was good, and it's still good. For example, let's just look at some physical things. My, I have never gone to my wife and said, dear, could you help me open this jar lid? But I'll tell you what, it has happened way many times the other time. I have never had my wife come to me and say Paul remind me that in a half an hour I need to leave but I have asked her to do that so many times I could care less she does not understand that I can completely lose track of time she saw she can say you mean you didn't know you were in the garage for two hours I'm like it wouldn't have mattered if it was one hour or eight hours I was in the zone I see the nods you know what I'm talking about we are so different in so many ways. We tend to be bigger and stronger and, I mean, not as good-looking. By the way, I am so glad that God made women good-looking. Guys, can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. I know one thing. We didn't get to the mental-emotional part, but we have such an ego, and we are so self-centered sometimes as men that if women weren't good-looking, we wouldn't have anything to do with them. That would be a problem. But they are. So I'll, I'll, you can get me on record that women are good-looking, okay? By the way, that is not an immoral statement. That is a fact. God made them better looking. Okay? Uh, we tend to have a lower heart rate, but um, we also have higher blood pressure. They have lower breath. We men, uh, men are less sensitive to sound, and women are sensitive to everything. Yeah, we got an amen on that one too? I'll tell you what, and you just took my illustration. Uh, By the way, in case you're new to this church, we embrace the idea of using what is enjoyable and something you do for ministry purposes. If you go on the golf outing, you're going to hear a gospel message. If you go bowling, you're going to have a gospel message. If you come to the tractor pull yesterday, you heard a gospel message because we want to use and make the gospel and what we believe a normal part of our life. So in case you were wondering why all this stuff, that's what we do. The opportunities for fellowship and ministry, we try to put them out there. But yesterday, I'm this far from an exhaust pipe that's spewing out fumes and lots and lots of noise, and I didn't have earplugs in. My wife, who lives Well, not my wife, I mean, I live there too, but a half a mile that direction. (laughs) She said, We could hear every tractor revving up. We could hear every announcement made. And that was Dave Lamb, he was the announcer. Uh, They could hear it all the whole way over in Choke Gardens. Now, to me, that would have been nothing. But to her, it's like, Man, those things are loud. Sensitive to everything. And in my house, it's that way too. I always have the TV too loud, I always talk too loud you name it. It's it's always that way. We are just different. I got to tell you, sometimes it amazes me that any marriage works. Okay? I'm dead serious about that because it's really difficult. Uh, Men are stimulated by sight. We have a lot of testosterone compared to the other chemicals in our body. Women, on the other hand, are stimulated by touch. They produce more progestin and estrogen. It makes us partly who we are. And we have more hair all over the place except the top of our head for some of us. And women actually, one of the distinguishing features of women is they tend to have longer hair. It'll grow longer than men's by and large. Two reasons. Their hair actually does grow faster and the cycle until their hair falls out is much longer. If you're going to have shoulder-length hair, it takes you three years to grow it. That's how long it takes to grow it. And most people, um, men, the cycle is less than three years, so you couldn't even grow hair that long if you wanted to. So we are very different physically. The Genesis, when we look at it, says, male and female created he them. God indeed made us different. But not only physically, but also mentally. We, and Gina, I appreciate your illustration, men tend to be objection, uh, objective, factual. Women, on the other hand, subjective. Now, I want to make something clear. I am not saying that women only think emotionally and men only think objectively. That is not it. If there was a perfect balance, it would be straight up. Men go a little bit this way objectively, women a little bit this way subjectively or emotionally. It's not that much different. I have actually in counseling seen them when they were the opposite. But by and large, we are that way. God created us. And remember, this whole thing is going to be two people looking in the same direction, working together, because that's God's design, that we work together. And when you put the two together, and the, the second concept is this, we are not compatible we are complementary. The world is telling you, and if you watch TV and you see the ad for dating services, they're talking about not complimentary, but they're talking about compatibility. Truth is, I don't want a wife that thinks like I do and likes the same things that I do. We are different, but when we put the differences together, that's what makes it good. If I had a pile of sugar over here and a pile of flour over here, neither one of those is very appetizing. But if I take those two and mix them together, put a little chocolate in there and maybe a few other things, it makes cake. I like cake, but each one individually is not all that appetizing. It's not all that attractive. But God has made us different to put us together in marriage so that we're better in the end, going the same direction as for this objective and subjective, I have never said to my wife, well, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. I have had that said to me more than once. Well, it's not what you said. See, she's not here anymore, so I can say this. She never would admit she's wrong, but she'll go, well, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Like it makes it... Uh, anyway, I don't understand. I'm going to tell you that right now. So I'm preaching about stuff that I've experienced. We claim that we are stable. They think we're stubborn. And women, on the other hand, well, they change quickly and often. I'll give you an example. My wife hasn't done this lately. But <clears throat> we're getting ready for church. And she'll say to me, do you like this outfit? And I'm like, anything on her looks good. Sure. I like that outfit. I go into the bathroom to brush my teeth. I come out. She's dressed in a totally different outfit. You know what I did one time? She would hold up two or three dresses and, and I would say, she says, which one do you want me to wear? And I said, that one. She doesn't ask me anymore, but she used to. I'd say, wear that one. Invariably, she would put the other one on. You know what I did? I actually start doing that verse psychology thing. I started saying the opposite and then she wore the other one. But it's, I'm telling you, that's, that's how different it is. Women talk more and more often and talk sooner than we do. And I'm going to tell you, under pressure, I've had my wife say, okay, what do you want to say? Oh, son, I have nothing to say whatsoever. Under pressure, men clam up. Here's what we do. There was a book written many years ago. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was not a Christian book. I don't think the author is a Christian. But he was a keen observer of human beings. He entitled the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Anybody ever hear that one? Okay. Oh, wow. A lot of you have. Okay. Anyway, I'll boil it down really quick. On Mars, if there's a problem, all the men go into their cave. They think about it. They come to a conclusion. When they have something to say, they come back out of their cave and make a pronouncement. Okay. I use the garage. Okay. I don't have a cave. I have a garage. On Mars, on the other hand, when there's a problem, the women come into the town square, talk about it, and even if there isn't a solution, they're happy. It's just so different. Now, understand, folks, if you're female and you understand how men think, you will not be offended if your husband says, I need some time. On the other hand, if you're a male and your wife says, I want to talk about this, you will listen, because guess what? This is not a mistake. God made us this way. Uh, Men, we have an ego. There's no doubt about it. I'm not telling you that's good. I'm just telling you that's the way we are. Women have emotions, and both of them are fragile. We have, as men, the desire to accomplish things, to win, to conquer. That's our thing. You're going to find the tractor pulling, it's going to be almost all men, and if it's women driving, it's their husbands putting the thing together and making sure it works good. There is never a guy that came there yesterday that said, I'm just coming here for the fun of it. A, wife, a woman might have, not a guy. They are there for one reason, to win, to do their best, so they can say, yeah, that worked. Women are different than that because their self-worth, the way they look at themselves, is based on relationships. I got to tell you, I have to tell you there are times I look and I say, you know what, us guys could, you know, we could, we could learn something because we wouldn't have to be so competitive. But that's who we are. That's who we are. God made us that way. In fact is, when there are problems, as I mentioned before, men tend when they're overwhelmed, they tend to back off. In fact, it says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 8, like a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man who wanders from his home. Men, at times of problems, go like this. They stiff arm. I need some space. In fact, I have found over the years that when something's going wrong, God just says, I'm out of here. I have seen men live, leave their home without ever opening the front door can of beer in their hand and a TV in front of them. And they have checked out. It's like they live in a a cave by themselves and nobody else exists. Never even went out of the front door. That's what men tend to do. On the other hand, what happens with women, instead of going like this, they go exact opposite. They want to bring it in. And then the husband says, well, you see that word there, contentious? also means like nagging. It's like, we want to talk about it. You know, we need, we're, there's a hard time. We need to bring everybody together. So now you have a reverse tug of war. You know, you have both of those. Without God's help, it'll never work. You got the end of the sermon already. Because without God's help, marriages are in trouble. You're in trouble. And I don't care if your marriage is good or not. You will have these types of things. Oops, got to go back backwards. And just one other thing. We tend to be uh, left-brained and women right-brained. They're more attuned to details in life. We look at a bigger picture. Now, a few years ago, there was a rumor going around, and they said it was real, but it, it turned out to be bogus. But that Somewhere in pregnancy, there's some hormone that washes over the male brain, and it brain damages them. That's not true, okay? There's actually a word that goes with it. I don't, I can't pronounce it, but anyhow, contrary to popular uh, yeah, popular belief, men are not brain damaged. God made us this way. Ladies, we are who we are because God made us this way. Ladies, you have the same thing, Okay. Now, emotionally, trying to find an emotion, well, is like trying to find an emotion. Sometimes we just don't get it at all. In fact, is if we're, there are emotions, we try to hold them in. We are told from the very beginning that's not what men do. We're, they're evaluated, they're minimized, and after a while they're cold. And your wife goes, you don't have any emotions whatsoever. It's not true, but we try to cover them. Women, on the other hand, have a much broader range of emotion, and they deal with them by communication and a lot of other things. We tend to be more black and white. We don't admit there are problems. We're like, "I can fix this. I'm Mister Fix It. I can fix anything." Guys, you agree with me or not? Okay, yeah, a few of you do. The rest of you are just lying. But anyhow, (laughs) Uh, on the other hand, on the other hand. Women, and this is true in my office as well, women, on the other hand, uh, will admit to it. And they do have a lot of things that deal with emotions that, that cause them problems. The point is, God has made us different. I'll give you an illustration. I'll, I'll use this and I'll tell you. This is, I found this a few years ago. I liked it. It's, they're going on vacation. She packs 37 outfits and one electronic device. He has 37 electronic devices and one outfit. Their conclusion is that we know that we discover our real common ground, neither one knows how to pack. I'm telling you, I already did this and my wife didn't shoot me. But I went to Moldova on a mission trip. It took me five minutes to pack one suitcase and one carry-on and they both were light. We went, a few weekends ago, we took a weekend off, we went just to Mount Gretna. I'm telling you, when I left the house, I had two suitcases that, that made me grunt to pick them up. Neither one of them was mine. Okay. I took mine. I had the carry on. I threw in an extra set of jeans and another shirt or two and some underwear and socks. I was ready to go. It took me less than five minutes to pack. I got there. I'm sorry. I walked into the bedroom there and I looked around. I said, what in the world? There was a pair of shoes here. There was a pair of shoes here. There was a pair of shoes, five pairs of shoes for three days. I'm like, what in the world? It's just, we are so different. We are just so different. But remember, God made us that way. That's the key thing. Now, there's a country song. I think it's uh, Brad Paisley or something. I heard it a few times. You see a deer, a woman says, Bambi. Guy, what do I see? Rack. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Okay? When you talk about shopping, my wife and I do not go shopping because we like being married to each other. I'm dead serious. I do once a year go with her on vacation. I'll go shopping with her. But I go to Harbor Freight, Home Depot, the auto parts. I walk in. I know what I want. I go in. I pay the bill. Walk back out. That's just the way it is. Harbor Freight, I'll look around and see what else Japan, I mean, uh, China is shipping in. But other than that, women, they go shopping. And I'm telling you, it's like shopping, 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 shopping. And it's, it's, like a, it's like a tour, you know, and you're just kind of observing what's going on. Sometimes they buy something. Thankfully, my wife doesn't buy that much. The whole point of this is this. God has made us different. So I'd like you to turn. And I've got just a few minutes to do this. If you would turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God's design was perfect. Remember, He did this before sin came into the world. The only institution, the only relationship created by God before sin came into the world was marriage. All the other institutions of this world were put into practice and put into being by God to deal with sin, not marriage. It was put there by God's perfect design. And if you think about this, if you think about that complementary relationship without sin guess what? It works. Two people in the same direction, same goals, same focus. But when sin came in, it messed up everything. In case you're not familiar with sin, everybody is, by the way, but sin messed up every part of your life, your thinking, your emotions, your actions, everything. It messed it all up. And that's exactly true of God's design for men and women. And he made it very clear from the very beginning that they were going to work together to govern the earth. Everything in the earth was supposed to be governed by a man and a woman. That's it. Not in conflict, but complementing each other. Not being the same, but working together. A team is what God has designed our marriages to be. And it was for procreation, obviously, according to this. It was for mutual pleasure because there is a relationship in marriage that is like none other. God has created relationships that are for marriage and marriage only. And actions that are to take place in marriage and marriage only. That's it. No other place. God has designed it that way. And when you think about it, when you put this all together, that brings out the best in both people. Everything done for the good of both to the detriment of neither. If you ever uh, are a part of a marriage ceremony, I do. I put that phrase in there. For the benefit of both, the detriment of neither. That's God's design for men and women. That's God's design for marriage. Now, it didn't start out that way. Because at this point, there was only a man when that was written. But let's go to the next chapter, chapter 2. If you go to chapter 2 and look at verse 18, you'll see what it says there. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. What did he do? He looked at Adam and said, up until that point, he said, everything was good. Check it out. I went and checked it back out one more time. Up until that point, everything's good or very good. Now he said, it's not good. Does that mean Adam wasn't perfect? The answer is no, he wasn't born brain damaged or any of those other things. It simply means that he was not at his best. The the whole concept of good there means that it wasn't the best there could be. There was a beneficial relationship to be had by creating a woman. And so that's what he is uh, getting across here. And he says, I will make a helper that is someone who's an ally to him. He was alone. He was at a part. We often joke about my better half. That, that's original from the Bible because he's apart. He's alone. He didn't have his better half. And then it says a helper suitable for him. The word suitable is not what you would normally think of. It means to be opposite to. It literally means conspicuous. There's a difference. Why? Because he wanted man and woman to work together in marriage. That's what he wanted. So it's not the same. It's not compatible. It is complementary. Working together as a team, as partners, as companions. I believe that is the very basis from the very beginning. In fact, it is in Titus chapter 2, verse 4, it's very clear that in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul said, let me, let me show you how this all works. Because he was saying, we need to instruct the young women how to love their husbands, love their children. The older women are to do that. Why? Because women do not understand men. News flash? No, we know that. We just don't understand how the other one goes. And he said, the women who've been around for a while, the older women, they need to take the younger women aside and instruct them how to love their husbands. Now, this is not the word in the Bible for unconditional, unilateral, self-sacrificing love. That is not that. That is for God so loved the world. Completely unilateral. Completely paid for by one person and focused on another. This is phileo, which is, has an us as the focus. We're in it together. Companions, best friends, partners, a team. That's it. In other words, this is a love that says it's good for both of us. We're in this together. You scratch my back, I'll scratch you. Your back. We'll be in this together. Helping each other. That is what he's saying. He's saying to the women, you need some instruction on how to be your husband's partner, companion, best friend. But it doesn't stop there because it goes on in Genesis chapter 2 to say that God created the woman. In fact, it says in verse 21, so God caused his deep sleep to fall upon the man. He slept, He took one of the ribs, he closed up the flesh at that place. And God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from Adam's side. <clears throat> and he brought her to the man and verse 23 adam says now this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman now notice the last, next phrase because she was taken out of man notice the next phrase you've got to keep this in the context for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh literally adam married himself It was his rib that was fashioned in the woman. When God talks about one flesh, when he talks about a unit, he is not exaggerating. He's serious about it. You're in this together from the very beginning. For this cause, because the woman was taken out of the man, you are to leave your father and mother cleave to your wife because she is your other half. That is what it's saying. There's no way to get around that. She came from him. And so it is for the good of both, together. The woman, like the man, it wasn't good for him to be alone, to be apart. The woman was never created to be independent. She was made to be that helper. Notice God from the very beginning. Sin hasn't entered in yet. The very beginning. This is not something that's messed up by sin. This is God's design, perfect design for marriage you're in it together. How close together? One flesh. One is an indivisible unit. It's together. Same concept that we use for the Trinity. Okay, separate it. That's his original plan. Now, of course, I said before, it's been messed up by sin. The apostle Peter took this same concept up in the New Testament. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, you husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with, a weaker ve- uh, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. See, it says men don't understand women either. Notice what it said. It said does not say, understand your wife. It says, live with her in an understanding way, because that's an impossibility. I'm married just short of 35 years, and I still don't understand my wife. You get an amen? Okay, okay, thank you. I, I was hoping I wasn't the only one. Truth is, I put it this way. If you're a husband, your job is to become a student of your wife. The word that's here is not an absolute no or understand your, your wife. It is one that is an experiential thing. You know by experience, by doing it. Here's the way I say it. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek. But if you're a husband, your job is to know and study your wife so that you know what makes her tick and what ticks her off. <laughs> Dead serious. And that is a lifelong process. If you think you've got it all figured out, you're in for a big bump on the head next week if you think you've figured it out by now sin has entered in. And it's it's a tension. And it always will be a tension. But it's a good tension. God has designed us that way. A lot of women get really uptight about that next phrase, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. It's not simply talking talking about that she's uh, mentally uh, less capable. My wife, as well as most other women I know, are a lot smarter than I am. So that's not it at all. Physical strength, yes, but I believe there's another thing in there, and that's that emotional character. Guys, you are meant to be, by God, to be the stabilizing influence in your home. No ifs, ands, or buts. That is what you're supposed to be. You are to be the loving leader, and I'll talk about that in another sermon. You are to be the loving leader in your home. You are to be the stability, the security, The safety that your wife needs. That's what you need to be. And she is counting on you. And it says, grant her honor. The word honor in the New Testament always has to do with give weight to. Give prominence to. To give a, um, all of a sudden I lost the word. To give uh, the, uh, okay. I don't believe I did this. I use it all the time. Value. Oh, I lost the word. It's to give value to. Wait. Value to. You wait it in her direction. That's your job. To give her value. She is looking to you for that. That is your job. And he says something very serious at the end. He says, so that your prayers be not hindered. Because God is saying, if you won't treat her with value, you're not really doing what I've asked you to do. He says, and I'm going to stop my ears up. That's what God says. So where do we go with this whole thing? Challenge is this. If you're a woman, your job is to do everything you can do in this next week on a regular, ongoing basis. And not just this week, but for the rest of your life. How do I become a better companion, a better partner toward my husband? If you're a husband, it is get back to the books. But this book happens to have two legs and two arms and a, and a head. And study your wife. And instead of butting heads with her, say, what makes my wife feel valuable? What makes her feel like the woman God created her? And I'm going to help her in that direction. That's the challenge. Because why? We are partners, we are companions. From the very beginning, even before sin entered the world, we were designed to be that way. Sin has entered, messed everything up, all relationships have been messed up by that, but your job is with God's help, God's strength, to be able to look at that and use it to the best so that both of you are working as a team, partners and companions, facing the same direction, same goals, same purposes, serving the same Lord, raising the same children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, whatever it happens to be. That's what God has designed from the very beginning. Notice we didn't have to go much out of Genesis for this. From the very beginning, this is the way God created I'm going to ask, uh, who's leading the song? Jason is going to lead our final hymn. If you would take your hymnals, please, and turn to hymn number. 639, we're going to sing the first stanza only. Please stand with me, hymn number 639.